What's up everyone, welcome to episode 5 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise.co.uk. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I am joined by my very good friend and Mr Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. How are we getting on, Sam? I am excellent, thank you. I think this is going to be a terrific podcast. Feeling extra cynical today, actually. Oh, this gonna, Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. It's a wonderful Saturday, Sam. Uh, this morning, when I got home... I thought I'm going to go to the gym. And I, I, when I was on the way to the gym, I thought, what album have I not listened to for in years? And I, you know what, mate? I put on Blink-182 and Nima of the State. Oh, what a choice. Mate, that album is just... I, as time goes by, you forget just how absolutely incredible some albums are. And that yes. album, mate, is just fucking phenomenal. From Literally, from start to finish, that is pop-punk perfection legitimately that's as classic as pop punk ever gets for me I completely agree I completely agree I think that and Take Off Your Pants and Jackets uh, as a duo of albums is just extraordinary really I think and as well like you step out today I was actually awake in the morning today which was an incredible feat inside itself but you walk outside the house and it's bright and you listen to Blink-182 and you just get that feeling that once again summer is arriving around the corner, and I don't yeah, think there, are, there aren't many feelings like it, mate. And that that's nice. That is really nice, man. It's just such an amazing album, like because it was Travis Barker's first. Yes, you, man. You, you think of the difference that he made to that band, like he really took them up a level. And with that album, they just completely captured the zeitgeist at the time. Yeah, like when MTV yep. was at its most popular, and. And you know, imagine being tw- like American Pie and that kind of scene was just starting. Imagine being 21 when that album comes out. Literally sums up your whole life when you're 21. Drinking with your friends, girls that you want to f- want to find you attractive down, uh, partying, getting fucked up, making dick jokes with your mates. Literally, man, that album, I just cannot say enough about it. I hadn't listened to it in full, in literally years. Like, I've heard all the small things come on uh, randomly, because of, of, um, of course I have. But... In terms of listening to it in one full go, man, that album is a special, special fucking record, man. I completely agree. I completely agree. And it's it's always nice to revisit these sort of classic albums. But I think, I mean, the the, the song themes that they describe is pretty much our existence now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pizza drinking and dick jokes is pretty much what I put on my Twitter bio. I forgot half the chat. <laughs> Possibly our best show to diet today, Sam, I've got to say, if I'm allowed to be bold. Oh, I'm very excited, but I think I kind of agree with you. I think there's a lot to come by now. Coming up on today's show, we have got the news to run through. Then we've got single reviews on Venom Prison, Periphery of Mice and Men. And then we've got album reviews on Outright Resistance and Blood Youth. And then to finish off the show today, I did an interview with Sam from Ithaca. That band that me and Sam fucking basically gave oral sex to verbally when we were talking about their album. Can't wait for us to hear the real thing happen during the interview. <laughs> yeah, it was... Check out this... Um, stay tuned for that one for the end of the episode because it was a really interesting chat with Sam, who's a really cool person, and we delve into the history of the band and where they're going to go from here and what it was like being signed to Holy Raw Records during the recording um, during, during the recording process. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Merch. Noise does merch, as we've mentioned a few times. Noise.bigcartel.com. You get t-shirts in the bin for £15.50. They are starting to sell out, which I'm happy to say. So if you, were consider- if you were considering getting one, now would be the opportune time to do so before they all go. We have been nominated for Best Music Publication at Cardiff Music Awards, Sam. I mean, we did, that's a deserved nomination. Um, the, 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 not, even, not even patting myself on the back, the amount of great work that's done. Um, through the entire Noise family is, is really worthy of praise. 
So I want to thank everyone that nominated us, but now you can actually vote for us to win the whole thing, which would be absolutely awesome. Go to CardiffMusicAwards.com and you can make your voting choices. Um, want to shout out to everyone that got nominated. Uh, fair play to everyone, but hopefully we win. If not, though, again, just to be nominated is awesome and we're very, very grateful for that. On with today's show. Indeed. Ozzy Osbourne is out of ICU, which is good news. He went in there very. with a very, very bad state of flu. I was starting to get really concerned because, holy shit, man, when Ozzy Osbourne dies, fuck. There's yep. going to be literal melt meltdown across the whole of metal, and rightfully so. Apart from at the Grammys, where he'll get best metal performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things, man, like, I do. should Ozzy be touring? He probably should have stopped no. 15 years ago. But... He wants you know to do his that, thing, you know, that, so... you know that he sneezed and burst a blood vessel in one of the recent weeks? It's crazy, and that's one, isn't it, man? One of the reasons why he's put himself in hospital. When you can't even sneeze without putting yourself in hospital, you should no longer be on a stage <laughs> in front of thousands of people. Like, are we at a point now where hay fever would, like, explode him from the inside? I don't understand. Um, this is a man who is fallen apart at the seams, health-wise. Um... And probably could and should have died without being any sort of disrespect. But if you look at the things that he's done, if you read any of his autobiographies or any of the stories about him and things like that, like famously snorting lines of ants with Motley Crue and all this sort of thing. This is a man who should not be here. <laughs> like, I'm just, we're, just, we're just glad that he is. But please, Ozzy, stay at home, please. It's one of those things, man, like he doesn't need the money, surely by now. He didn't need the money 20 years ago, surely. I, I, I can't imagine why... He's still doing these tours, man. I know that he's been like, oh, it's the last one, etc. And that's been like kind of the thing for like five years now, it seems. <laughs> yeah. But uh, literally, man, Ozzy, sit at home with your amazing family and look back on everything that you've given to this amazing, amazing industry. You, you, we don't... Yeah? You're not... And I don't mean this in terms of disrespectfully. You're not needed anymore. Yeah, we don't need new Ozzy material or shows. We don't, man. He's, he has done not only his part, he's done everyone's part. <laughs> metal, yeah, metal is, as we've discussed on Soundcheck, and we'll probably discuss on here, metal is basically all down to him. Not entirely him, but the band that he was the figurehead of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's done his bit, man. Um, I'd be happy if he just announced his full, full retirement and he's going to sit at home and just fucking not fucking kill himself on tour for once. That'd be great. Yeah, but that'd yeah, be lovely. He's out of the ICU. No doubt he'll be back on tour within three months because that's Ozzy Osbourne, man. Of course. Of course. Want to move on to the news about Architects. Now, we won't go too yes. far into detail on this because it is a bit of a difficult one for us to dissect, really, because I wouldn't want to... Speak negatively or positively about a subject that we don't know all the facts for. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. So to give people who aren't aware of what's going on some insight. Architects were booked to play a festival in the Netherlands called Jira On Air. They have recently pulled out. And that is, they claim, because of a promoter slash headline mix-up. Yeah. There's a statement that they released and I will read most of it to you now. Okay. Unfortunately, we won't be appearing at Jira on Air Festival this summer, as previously announced. We were booked as headliners for the festival. However, following the most recent announcement, we were not billed as such. 
Perhaps this seems an overreaction. However, we have taken this step as a matter of principle. When we are booked to perform, we fulfil our commitments in the deal and we expect promoters to do the same. We, act, we asked for an amendment to be made. However, the promoter appears to have promised one thing to us and another to another headliner. We are sorry to let any fans down who had bought tickets to see us perform. We hope that fans of the band respect this, that this isn't a decision we took lightly and we look forward to being back in the Netherlands in the near future. Now, yes, difficult one this because there is a very, very small select group of people that know the conversations that happened about this booking and that is Architects <clears throat> and the festival promoters of Jira on Air. What it seems like to me, through looking at poster pictures, is that Architects, and I may be wrong here, I'm just going through what it looks like. Architects were to be headlining the Friday, with yep. Parkway Drive headlining the Saturday, and Sum 41 headlining the Sunday. Now, before yeah. Parkway Drive were announced, Architects and Sum 41 were in equal size print at the top of the poster next to each other. Now that Parkway has been announced, Parkway's name is much bigger in the middle. So Parkway are right on the top in the middle, massive Parkway drive lettering, and Architects and Sun 41 yep. are underneath on the left and the right, respectively. Which, to your casual eye, would look like Parkway driver headlining, and yep. Architects and Sun 41 are sub-headlining. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, I would there, agree. There is probably something much further to it. However, all I will say on this matter is kind of just reiterating what I said when I first started talking about it. There's a select group of people that know the discussions that were made and architects are in the position where if they were promised something and that something wasn't delivered, they are in the position where they can walk away. This might do a bit of damage to architects in terms of the people that bought tickets or the people that think this is a bit of a diva move. I won't say what I think my personal opinion is on it because, as I mentioned, I don't know all the details. If I knew all the details and there were solid, concrete facts, then I would make my opinion. But what I will say is I don't think this damages architects massively. They're in the position where they can do this and they will tour the US in two months. They'll be spoken about all around the internet because of how amazing they are live and people will forget this ever happened. I, I mean, if I bought a ticket to the festival, I might be a bit more annoyed. But architects are in the position where they, they can do this and it's not going to massively affect them. Any thoughts on this, Sam? Yeah, a couple. Um, looking at the photo, it's clear that Parkway Drive's name is bigger, but the central figure of Parkway Drive's name, surrounded by architects and some 41, um, makes it seem to one interpretation that it's 27th is Architects, 28th is Parkway, and 29th is Sum 41. But the fact that Parkway are the only band there that have their own font, it does imply that they're the main headliner, so I understand. Um, it, it comes down to if this disagreement is based on the size of the poster or the actual headline stuff. Um, now... I've seen a few tweets and a few people reacting badly to it and that sort of thing. But frankly, if it's if it's a headline mix-up and, and, and both bands have been promised a certain type of headline set and one had never been replaced by the other or whatever and the circumstances have to change after they'd agreed, then that's perfectly fine that architects pull out because nobody in their right mind would go to a job 
and then find out they had to do a lesser job than what was agreed to and then expect to be happy with it and do it regardless. Nobody would do that. So to ask architects to do that just because they're in the public eye is ridiculous. Um, that being said, some 41 haven't came out and complained about the same thing. So there needs to be some clarification from the festival that these were the three day headliners. Uh, that being said, if you look at Downloads Festival as well, their top headliners, all their fonts are the same size and all the bands who are headlining have their own style font that is yeah. individual to their band. Yeah. Same Reading um, and Leeds as well. Yeah. That's deliberate, obviously. Yes. yes. Um, and festival bookers know that this is sensitive to the band because they hand out those posters to their audience and their record label in an attempt to to display how powerful they've become and, and whatever. It's massive for their promotion. Now, if you're the festival runner here and a font change could have kept Architects and Parkway Drive on your festival at the same time, I hope you're kicking yourself fairly hard right now. Um, but if there has been a mix-up as well, then I, I completely agree. Could this have been fixed? I, I think it could have been. I think Architects could have been like, well, we need a bit of clarification. And the festival were like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We've made a bit of a cock-up. You guys are all on the same platform. You're all headlining the same slot on different days. We'll put you guys as some 41 with your own fonts above everybody else to show that you are the headliners. Ah, bad. Sorry about that. But if the conversation hasn't gone that way, where they're not able to clarify what's actually going on, architects are fully within their rights to pull out if they're upset with the festival's promotion because we would do exactly the same in our job. We would do exactly the same if you would turn up and you would be... Because the moment architects are not headlining, they're being paid less. And the moment that affects your band's income, I'm not reaching into anybody's pocket and making a decision for them. There's not a lot that we can add there because, as we, as I mentioned, we don't know the full details. So we will just move on. I did want to speak at that because it is in the news. Yeah, of course. We will move swiftly on. Venom Prison. Sam. Yes. A few months ago, in fact, last year, I saying a few months ago, nearly a year ago, we saw Trivium headline a show at the O2 Academy where Venom yes. Prison, Power Trip, and Code Orange supported. So and what a time it, we had as well. Man, it was that gig was fucking sensational. It's like one of my favourite times ever. I absolutely loved it. And I remember we were in there when Venom Prison had just started. And I'd said to you, so this band, the opening band, Venom Prison, was like, they're fucking hard as shit. Like, I've only listened to them a few times, but like, I reckon we're going to be well into them. And, like, we saw them performing, and we were like, man, this is crazy heavy. This is, we're well into yeah. this. And we, as they, when they went off, we were like, man, that was a special fucking performance for an opening band. And they were the heaviest band on the bill, which is fucking absurd, considering <laughs> Code Orange were on there. Yeah, very true. New song out called Uttering Industrialization. It's off the yes. new album, Sam Sorry, which is out on March 15th, which we will definitely be checking out. Sam? I think death metal in 2019 can be a bit boring. It can be very similar. It can be blast beats into growls, into blast beats, into growls, into interesting solo, the end. Venom Prison aren't this, man. I think this band can really do some shit for death metal or extreme music if you want to open up the umbrella a bit and just take it forward. I love this song, man. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, th I think it's really, really good. I, 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 I didn't have any sort of shocking surprise that it, it ripped, tried to rip my throat out within three and a half minutes. Um, but it's exactly, it's exactly what you sort of expected. And them coming out and, and laying the, laying the sort of the hammer down, um, was, was, was of no surprise. I thought it was, 
really rough and really raw, sometimes too raw at times. I thought the mix wasn't as, as good as it could have been. It was very percussive, which I usually fucking love, to be honest with you. But I felt the drums were incredibly overpowering to the detriment of some of the guitar lines at times. Um, that being said, um, it was a fun trip. And this album, I think, is going to be, unsurprisingly, very heavy, very loud, very nasty. And am I right in thinking these are a female-fronted band? Yes, her name is Larissa Stupor. She's absolutely incredible. She's fantastic. Um, in in the in the death metal scene, um, it's safe to say that the list of female-fronted bands is really, really, really fucking rare. And she is, in a male-dominated scene, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And there are not many, there are not many bands that pull this sort of thing off with a vocalist um, of that gender, just simply because. Well, let's just let's be let's be frank. It's just a it's a male dominated it's a male dominated sound, isn't it? It's a male dominated reverberation, and 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 to hear a female be able to do that, I think is absolutely astonishing, and that will that will never not be impressive as far as I'm concerned. This is a a 7 out of 10 Venom Prison song as far as I'm concerned, 7 out of 10 Death Metal song, and I think the album has the very much potential to be really, really, really good. Just branching off what you were saying there, there was a piece on Metal Hammer by Stephen Hill, who I yes. really, really respect as a writer and as a podcast host, that was talking about how in 2019, all of a sudden, it's actually, and I do agree with him actually, it's like the female-fronted presence, which is the most exciting, in terms yeah, of employed to serve, Absolutely fucking wicked band. Cannot wait for their album. Venom Prism and Raul Tomasi, amongst many others. But those are the three that come to my mind first. And obviously Ithaca as well. The, um, that fucking sick hardcore band which we reviewed a couple of weeks ago. And obviously the interview with Sam at the end of this show. So I think that like while, we, while you'd say, you know, generally over the last 30 years, Death Metal has been dominated by a male presence. At the moment... It's the female presence that I'm absolutely most interested in extreme metal. 100%. I think, Ven- I think Venom Prism, Employed to Serve, Ithaca and Raulo Tomasi are four of the fucking best bands going in terms of extreme music. And I think this song is a real good nail point for what this band are. Yeah, Obliter- that's, a fair, that's a fair point. Obliteratingly heavy. Love the solo in it. The thing is that they play around with, with death metal and make it like interesting because... I've reviewed a lot of death metal in my time doing this. I review a lot of death metal and never get a lot sent to me. And, it, you know, if you've got a real ear and lust for death metal, then how much it all sounds the same probably wouldn't bother you. But for me, it's like, man, this death metal band literally sounds exactly the same as the one I was reviewing two weeks ago, just yeah. with a little bit of a different sounding vocalist. But Venom Prison, they play about with the concepts. Chuck solos in, Chuck beatdowns in. Um, the blast beats. I actually liked how percussive the recording was on this. You said it sounded a bit too much, but I just loved how fucking absolutely unstoppable that fucking snare drum did. Uh, snare drum sounded and um, agreed. I was really into this song. I knew I would be. I'm really, really excited about what this band can do for death metal slash extreme uh, extreme metal. Uh, Samsara March fifteenth will definitely be reviewing it. Cannot fucking <sighs> wait for that one. I am literally. Like shaking in my boots waiting for that album because I I really think it's gonna do some serious fucking damage in the death metal scene. I think that's fair to say. I agree with you. Periphery, 
new song, Blood Eagle Sam, new album called Hail Stan, out on April 5th. Dude. Yeah. We spoke uh, about Periphery at length many times. Periphery are both probably, they're definitely my top 20 bands. They're probably just about make it into yours from how well yeah, I know you. We saw them live uh, 2016. What the fucking time that was. Uh, the Periphery 3 Select Difficulty was my 2016 album of the year. Still listen to it this day. Still absolutely in love with it. Still one of my favourite albums of the last 10 years. This new song is exactly what I predicted it to be. Really hard, fucking nasty hitting gent. Six minutes long. The band just have no limits, man. They will just go and do whatever the fuck they want for six minutes. This song takes so many musical turns. It's impossible to keep up with. Are you into this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's I think it's heavier than off any of the material off Periphery 3. Yeah. Um, I think it, And I think it's deliberately so. Um... I felt that on Periphery Three, I was I was sat back and I, I was sort of washed over by the, the the dearth of technicality by this band, and the the sort of choral mix. But here, I'm just sort of reminded that these are a metal band, like over and over and over and over again. Um, it doesn't really have the same sort of harmonies and sort of guitar-led melodies as in previous times. It's like kicking your head in with a riff and then has a breakdown and like a guitar solo instead and it's almost a more standard structure for periphery um but that being said it's another display that this band when they want to turn that gear when they want to flick that switch they can do it as well as anybody i think the riff is fantastic i think the solo is is just incredibly impressive it's mind-boggling of course it is um yeah there's no shock there um and once again i'm reminded that Spencer from Periphery has the best vocal range of any metal vocalist, period. By a fucking mile. By a mile. Um, I, I would I would bring up Jason. I, I, I do think that metal battle... Vocalist, Christian. Metal vocalist. I, I do think that battle is much closer than what you make it out between Jason and Spencer. No! Although, I, I would... I would I completely see where you're coming from with Spencer because his range, his ability, and obviously the fact we saw him live do it. He is an anomaly. Uh, he's a very, very special individual. Agreed. I would have liked... I think Periphery sound at the, be- at the best when they're doing Marigold. Okay. When it's the harsh technicalities mixed in with the massive chorus that Spencer gets the whole melody for, whereas that's yeah. a bit held back on Blood Eagle. Yeah, that opportunity isn't really given to him. He gets into melody a little bit around halfway through the song, but he's not given like that. That like you know, you listen to Marigold or you listen to Remain Indoors, and literally Spencer's chorus. <laughs> it's it's almost like a proverbial platform that is literally lifted upon. Be like Spencer, go deliver the chorus to these fucking yeah, to, to these millions of people waiting for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas that opportunity doesn't quite present itself on Blood Eagle. I do think this will be one of those songs that sounds. Even better, mixed in with the album, surrounded by what's going to be before and after it. Periphery, Periphery are an absolutely, incredibly, incredibly intelligent band. The fact that they record all the stuff themselves in their own studios and how they write their music. And they've released Facebook videos showing the guitar playthroughs and how the drums were captured. Periphery are just a fascinating, fascinating band to watch. Not just Agreed. in terms of their incredible instrumentation, but the way they think a band should be run. They're very transparent. It seems like we're all members of the band, how they interact on social media. 
they're a really special band, and honestly, um, if this album delivers 80% of what Marigold did, good luck fucking taking that off my album of the year. Because <laughs> yeah, I was I think... so beyond in love with Marigold. Yeah, sorry, I could... Marigold. Sorry, select difficulty. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. I think this is just a teaser track, really. Um, it's just a hint that they're they're back, they're writing tunes, and they're they're going to combine that heaviness with the the massive choruses that we're famous for. With we're going to see the complex drum patterns, we're going to see the the mind bending solos, all the stuff that we associate with Periphery. I think they are they are they are one of, if not the most talented metal band we've got at the moment. They're the least derivative. Uh, they take it in as many directions as they can simultaneously, and I'm, and I'm, I'm incredibly respectful and impressed by them. Um, I think this is, this is going to be another really, really, really good album. Um, Periphery remind me time and time again that there is still ingenuity in metal um, at, re- at the really heavy pointy end, which sometimes it doesn't feel like there is sometimes. And I think that's a that's a wonderful thing. I can't wait for the rest of the album. Moving on, of Mice and Men, new single, How to Survive. Dude. Wasn't this reassuring? Man, I remember when Austin left the band and Aaron Pauly <laughs> took the mantle and I said out loud to many people, you included, I was like, I don't know about this. Aaron Pauly is a very talented bassist and he's a very talented vocalist surrounded by Austin. Yes. With no Austin and Aaron now being the centrepiece, I thought to myself, I don't know how this goes for this band from here. And then we saw them live after they released the latest album, which I believe was called Defy. Let me just confirm that. We saw them in Birmingham. And I think it was like one of those things where I said to you, oh, hey, man, um, I've my cement. You're in Brum. Uh, wage Raw supporting. Let's check it out. We went. We had a fucking great time, if you remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yes, the, yes, the, new album, the new album is called Defy. So, and then that show, I remember leaving there and I said to you, dude, that that, that was fucking great. Aaron Paul, he was amazing. He yes. was able to do the bass, the harsh vocals, the clean vocals, all spectacularly well. New album sounded great live. New album was probably the best thing that Admiral Men had done, in my opinion, since the flood, because I thought Restoring Force was very good. But yeah. I thought the flood was much better. I would agree there. And I thought that Defy was better than Restoring Force as well. So I was like, yeah. right, man, okay, let's uh, let's see, let's see what comes from this. And then they got this new song called How to Survive. No, no details from an album with it, but just an indication of we're still ticking, we're writing new music. I'd imagine that new album comes out before the end of the year potentially, which Agreed. would be quite, which would be quite a quick turnaround from Defy. But regardless, this sounds great. Aaron sounds fucking great. Yes. This band still have a massive future and a massive voice and part to play in metalcore. They aren't the cheesy teenager metalcore band that you could potentially put them in the same category as early Asking Alexandria at one point. Where it was very much the 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 long hair, the emo look, and it was very much the... You could potentially... I have never referred to them as this, but I have read reviews and read a thought piece online where people have called them a boy band with breakdowns, which I always disagreed with, but I could potentially see where they were getting that idea from. Yes. They've broke away from that completely. 
They're yes. like a really legitimate metalcore band, and on the How to Survive is a, another really great song for them to put on the belt. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a very refreshing um, comeback uh, sort of single from them, and I feel like they're where the first album um, since since Charlie Austin left, Austin Carlyle, God, uh, Austin Carlyle left. Um, them coming back, they've really sort of figured out who they are. And I think this 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 album uh, this this riff reeks of that this song reeks of that really that sort of level of comfort I think it's really heavy I think it moves perfectly well I think it's got a great chorus I think the I think it's smooth I think it's well played I think it knows exactly what it is and it also makes me think how much better could have Moist and Men have been if Austin Carlyle didn't get hurt and Aaron Paul Millie, Paulie made this sort of development alongside him um, you think obviously that tragedy has made him have to take on this mantle but if he was at, if he had this in his locker if you'd have combined those two we could be listening to a very 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 different type of music very different type of band um which would be really 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 incredible to listen to i think as well but overall i think this is a fantastic song and i think the uh the next of my Some men album has a chance to be special i was going to mention that like i didn't want it to sound like i was being disrespectful but you know, you listen to this of Mice and Men and you listen to Cold World, that album, and you kind of see how much Austin's problems were holding the band back. And in hindsight, it was the right thing for Austin to leave when he did. And the band are, are better off for it. I think the best of Mice and Men is The Flood, where Austin is healthy. Yes. But we, if Austin isn't healthy then this is the best of Mice and Men that there can be, in my opinion. And I really respect them. Not going... Listen, dude, if Mice and Men put an advert out there saying we're looking for a heavy vocalist, they've got cues to the end of fucking every boulevard in fucking America. Agreed. Agreed. All, all wanting to be a part of it. But they were like, no, Aaron can do this. We believe in Aaron. And so they should have. Because yeah, this is, yet, this is yet another example that he is absolutely more than fit to take that crown. I'm very excited for what's coming for Mice and Men. That's three singles that we've reviewed today, and I'm equally excited for all of what's coming next for all the bands. Fucking great time to be into heavy music this season. It really, really is. I'm so excited for what the drama is going to bring with it. Yeah, the, the future's looking bright, and uh, it's reassuring that a few of the bands that we thought, like of Mice and Men, that might have taken a step backwards, really haven't. Um, we're starting to really see the um, a structure and a group evolve of like really upper echelon metal bands that should be expected to take the genre forward, and I think there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Album reviews, Sam. Yes. Let's get into this, man. Outright Resistance, new album called Cargo Cult, out on the first of March. I got notice of this band because I saw an email saying email saying it was for fans of like Every Time I Die, which immediately piqued my interest. Yes. And bands of that ilk. So I was like, right, let's check this out. I thought, I think Sam would be into this. Let's talk about this on the podcast. I'm going to throw to you first to see what you're thinking about this record. Okay. Um, it's really heavy and it, it really, it, I think it gets, oh, I'm going to sound, I'm going to sound like a dick now. Um, I thought, I thought it was really, I thought it was really good in places, um, but I thought it was really cliche in others. Um, I thought it, it does, a lot of classic metal things really, really well, but I, 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 I never sat here and was sort of blown away or particularly moved by what was going on. I thought it was just a solidly good heavy metal song. I mean, at times, I think it sounds best when it actually moves away from the chugging riffs. I mean, like, there's a bit in Lone Wolf 
when there are like this sort of cascading sort of guitar melody that it slips into and comes back out of. And I enjoyed myself most listening to that album when it did that. Um, there's a few really nice, like there's a song called Ang- when Ang- Anger Dulls the Blade. And the first 15 seconds literally made me want to stab something because um, it was just so aggressive and so violent and, and, and really, really good. But after that, it slips into death metal cliche at times, a bit of thrash metal cliche at times. And I think this is really, it's a really great metal album at the gym or when you're driving or if you're cycling somewhere because it's just relentless. It's powerful. Um, it's really, really solid. Um it's appropriately named and everything like that, but it does not. I don't get excited too often listening to this. It's I think it's just I think it's just a very solid, heavy album, and, and I don't think it does a lot more than that. And I think it's at its best when it moves away from that, uh, because then I start to see um, the blend, the blend and the mix of those genres, and I think that really does bring metal out a lot more. Um, but I think it's uh, it's an impressive album for what it is. Uh, I just don't think it's much more than that, if that makes sense. So this is my thing with it. I think this album it reminds me of Union of Crowns by Berry Tomorrow. Yeah. Mi- mixed in with a bit of Whitechapel. Yeah, Whitechapel's a good shout. I mean, the, some of the screams are very Whitechapel-esque. It actually sounds like... It sounded a bit like Walk from Lord of the Rings at times. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm on about? Like uh, that, those sort of like almost guttural, like brutish, beastish sort of sounds, which are perfectly fine in short doses. For me, I'm excited about this band. And here's why. Because Union of Crowns by Berry Tomorrow, they hadn't figured it out just yet. They had fucking beasts on there like Royal Blood and Lionheart but they hadn't quite tweaked it to the point where they could really really push themselves forward yeah but there's no and, there's no song on the album like that no there's no song on on this album that's as good as Lionheart or Royal Blood but I do think that this is an example of a band that haven't really found their melting point yet but I believe that I've got faith in them that they potentially could. Because yeah, there are moments on this album where like, I, I genuinely believe in the band that they could do something really special. Yeah. Like, for me, I would have liked to have seen the lead guitarist, Joe Jacobs, to have been given a bit more room to breathe. He's got a solo in the Wretched One, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, And like you said, it breaks away from just the relentless fucking heavy riffing and just gives something different for a moment. I think if that would have been spread a bit more throughout the record, we yeah, may see, be we taking, agree. We may, we, agree. Be, we may be taking a different mantra talk, talking about the record. I still think this is very solid. I'm still oh, yeah. really into this. This is an album that I'll still listen to a few times more this year. It's one of those where this is a genre that it's so easy to do what's been done before. And there's nothing new you'll find here. What you will find is elements of thrash metal that are done really well. Elements of death metal that are done really well. And elements of metalcore that are all done really well. Yeah, I agree there. If you're into the idea of those three things being fused together, you'll have a fucking wonderful time listening to this album. And I think that once this band tour a bit more, they play. I think they've already played Bloodstock, but they play the bigger festivals. They get in and around there with the bigger bands. They spend more time in the studio, and they really crack that nut of 
ah, this is the sound we've been searching for. Because at the moment, it feels like it's a little bit lost in the universe of what are they actually going to be when they, when they realise what their final product is. And I think that, like Berry Tomorrow, this will be their album that they'll look back on and be like, we had ideas where we were going, but it was the next album where we really found ourselves. I'm not yeah. saying that this band are going to be as big as Berry Tomorrow, because that's a big task in itself. What I'm saying is that with a di- this is their debut album. They've had two EPs before this. The minimum requirement that you want from your debut album is to keep people interested. And I think this will keep people interested. I think this is a good, heavy record, fucking kicking the balls, that will get get a section of the audience and have them fucking pulsating for what comes next. Because I think you could get really captured by this. But for me, it doesn't do enough of the variety that I look for in yes, metalcore. Same. And like you said, there's nothing about this album that really gets me on the edge of my seat and really excites me. But with that said, still a very enjoyable listen. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. It never moves beyond third gear, really. But I agree that there are, there are flashes of inspiration here that, that make me think, all right, the next album could be really, really, really good. And like you said, if they, they figure this out, that could be... They could be a really good band. I get I get little flashes of like Chimera here as well, um, where they could they could just sort of stay in that third gear and and and, and hate breed that sort of stuff. You know that where it, it never really moves away from that, and that they they have a path to take in the next couple of albums. It'll be interesting to see which one they choose. Let's score this for me. This is a solid, good, heavy fucking metal record. I'm gonna go seven. Um, yeah, I, I, complete, I completely agree, to be honest. I think a seven is absolutely fair for where this band is and what this band are doing at the moment. This is going to be an interesting one, man. Yeah, I've got lots of thoughts here. New Blood Youth album. It's called Starve. It's out on the 22nd of February. Bit of news for you first before we go into the album review. Okay. On the next episode, I interviewed Kyle Tarsus, lead singer of Blood Youth, uh, about four days ago, and that is going to be on the next episode. It was a really, really fascinating chat. He's a really cool guy, um, and I think it gives a really, really good insight into the thought process of this album. So make sure you tuned in for that one. I'm going to take the lead starting off for this album. Please if do. You don't mind, Sam. Of course, of course. Go ahead. Takes a really, really big set of balls for a band to take literally everything that they were on the... Not everything. Take 80% of what they were on their first album, which was very successful, and took them to places like touring with Stone Sewer, touring with Prophets of Rage, playing Reading and Leeds Festival. Being that band that, like, you can you could just point your finger at them and be like, they're going to do something they are. You can just tell the groundswell is waiting for them. They took 80% of what that was and completely dropped it on its head. This album is a complete, complete turntable from Beyond Repair. And I really fucking respect that they've had the ball to do this. Because I really like Beyond Repair. I reviewed it very strongly. Cut great hooks in the choruses. Nice riffs, heavy breakdowns. But I still left the album thinking they're just a very good metalcore band. That have got a very bright metalcore, fu- metalcore future. And from speaking to Kaya... And you will hear this on next the next episode. They wanted to be so much more than just another very good metalcore band. 
And you could, that seeps out of every fucking essence of this album. You can tell that this band sat in a room and just said to each other, could do Beyond Repair 2.0 and it will do well. We will get the big tours. We will have a growing swell of appreciation, but we just want more. We're greedy and we want to be different and we want to be a beacon of, yeah, we did a great metalcore album, but look at the balls on us that we had the creative fucking nuts to be able to say to each other, let's do something completely different. On the second album in, you would expect two albums in for this band to be continuing to lay foundations and then maybe third or fourth album possibly branching to something different. None of that. Mate, this album takes a completely different direction to what I was expecting. And I, I am so into it. I really, really think that this is probably the band that they were going to be all along. I think this album would have been fucking huge in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Uh, listening to this album, I I, I was, I wrote down a list of, of of bands that it reminded me of. And I had Early Machine Head. Yep. Um, late to middle era Slipknot. So yep. that All Hope Is Gone sort of era Slipknot. Yep. A touch of very early periphery in the choruses. Yep. Um, and early of mice and men. Um, now that's 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 quite a collection of bands to sound like. And as as we went along, I started to think, all right, okay. So like second time I was listening to the album, do I, I was thinking to myself, all right, do I like this band because it sounds like these bands, or do I like it for what it actually is doing in and of itself? Um, I think it's a very 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 impressive step. Um, I think it's actually best at its best. When it does the stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with metal. I feel sometimes the riffs are just there to get to the, the choruses. And just there to get to the breakdown ideas that they're doing. And just there to get to the synth bits. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like they feel that that's like the, the starter to get to what they're trying to actually achieve. And I think it's, a, it's a, such an ambitious, impressive record. From the sense that they're doing loads of stuff at the same time. Um, for his, like, I want to point an example out that really sort of summed it up for me. Uh, the song uh, "Visitant," where the riff is perfectly fine, perfectly uh, heavy, appropriately sludging, but it's like the chorus and the bits in between and the little notes where they wait and gaps and there's bits where it sounds like a touch of like Iowa era Slipknot. When he's like singing into the microphone and sort of whispering and then really choosing that sort of stuff. And then a little bit of like early but actually good King 8 10 uh, where they're sort of like exposing different stuff. There's an experiment with synths that actually works really quite nicely. Um, it's hammer sledge heavy, like genuinely hammer sledge heavy. But the actual real upside, though, is that there's lots under that steel curtain. If you lift it up and listen to it a couple of times, the choruses are huge, really huge. Um, I actually think it's better when you just listen to it as a non-metal album because you sit here expecting to have your, your the, the the heat burn from your eyelids by the riffs and it doesn't do that. The riffs aren't the most impressive thing here. They feel like they're like 7 out of 10 riffs but the really impressive bits are the choruses, the synths and all the overall musicality of it and I think that's a very, very impressive stage. I think, um, I think their next album is going to be extraordinary. Uh, based on what I'm hearing here. Um, I think this is still figuring some bits out. It sounds like they've got 15 different ideas for the album at once. And they've just thrown and slapped them all together. And 
at times it just flits rather than sort of staying. And I do feel that some of the riffs are samey. That was my most disappointing thing about the album. I felt like the actual guitar playing uh, in terms of the riff stuff was variations of the same style. Like it sounded a bit cold chambery, just like bottom three notes. And then the next riff is like, like it's, it's similar style stuff over and over and over again. But the other bits around it were incredibly impressive. Um, so I'm, I'm caught in two minds. I think it was a very impressive, very bold, very good album, but for none of the reasons that you would actually review a metal album for. For me, it's like this band, I just didn't see this coming at all. You, we said a couple of weeks ago that how rare, how rare is it that a band get heavier with album two? We're talking about Invisions Yeah, Rod. that is so rare. Blood Youth are a heavier band now than they were in 2017. They're a much heavier band now. In different and, ways as well. Like, they're heavy yeah. in terms of lyrical content, heavy in terms of, like, style and blend. Like, it's not just that the riffs have gone down an octave. Kaya was telling me that they legitimately wanted you to feel uncomfortable listening to this album. And that yeah. they recorded it at this in this farm in the middle of nowhere for, like, three weeks. They didn't have access to any internet. The nearest shop was three miles away. And they'd stay up to, like, three, in the, three o'clock in the morning recording the album. Just, just, like, obsessing and feeling really, like, vulnerable about being in the studio. And honestly, like, that comes across in the album. It feels unsettling when you're listening to it, especially the spoken word tracks. And there's a yeah, song on here called Exile. It's 11 minutes and 10 seconds. Man, Indeed. they're two albums in and they, they try, they're dropping out 11 minute songs. You know, they were just a standard metalcore band. They've took this step and all, um, the best thing about this album for me is that it completely differentiates Blood Youth from everything that you thought they were. Now, Agreed. Now, Blood Youth. Are comp- you can't put them in a box. They're, they're on. A, there are very, very few bands in the world right now that I'm listening to that sound like Blood Youth. Now they're on kind of a pedestal on their own because this, if we if we just be loose and call it new metal, if it's much yeah. more than that. But let's just let's just give it just one tagline. And I'd say new metal if I just had to point one musical genre. Yeah, at that's it. fair enough. So new metal for a new audience, isn't it? Mate, new metal died away in the mid-2000s, man. It ate itself alive. Yep. I haven't heard an exciting new, new metal album in fucking years until this. And as I mentioned, I think this would be fucking huge in the early 2000s. I think this would have got... The, I think here we're talking about a band that would have really exploded. And the most exciting thing is to me, who's to say that won't happen now? Because there's a chorus on Cut Me Open and like you were saying a couple of weeks ago, in horror films, it's the absence of the violence that makes the violence so terrifying. But it's the absence of the melody in this album that when it's dropped in to Cut Me Open and the title track, sounds fucking incredible. Chorus on Cut Me Open, I could listen to a million times. Yeah, yeah, I could really agree. amazing. And then there's Nerve. Nerve. <laughs> Man, Nerve is just right fucking brutalising. And I'm so impressed by what this album brings with it. That Blood Youth could so easily have just done Beyond Repair 2.0. And, man, for a group of mid to late 20s, 20-year-olds, they've got fucking balls to do this. But it pays off so well. The drums sound really sinister. 
the drums are literally unsettling, man. I love how just fucking raw the sound. Yeah, the, the the snare drum sound here is incredibly good. Yeah, it literally like it, I God, feel yes. like it's I feel like it's gripping me by the throat every time it fucking lands. And man, you listen to this album, and what you've got here is a band that will not accept anything other than what they wanted this album to be. You get, you, you can tell that this, the spoken word tracks very unsettling, yep. very un, very unusual, very um, very all hope is gone esque Slipknot and post all hope is gone Slipknot. And like you said, I, I did bring up, up in my notes the King Eight Ten comparison, but they merge it all together really fucking well. And this is a new metal album that is better than any new metal album I've heard in fucking years. Because you don't... New metal is somewhat of a dead genre now. Some people would say um, rightfully so. But, man, this album... If you're a Blood Youth fan, you're going to go into this album. And I, I actually asked Kai, I was like, you probably this is going to alienate people. And he was like, I guess that was one of the concerns going in, but we believe in this so much that no, not really. And, Fair play. And I, I don't, I don't think this will alienate people. I think this brings different audiences blood, together. Different audiences together, man. I think you could play this to someone who hasn't listened to heavy music since two thousand and three, and they'd be like, "Oh shit, man! This sounds like all the bands that I used to be really into when, like, when I listened to heavy music." And Absolutely. you could also, and you could also play it to the current Blood Youth fan base, and they'd be hooked in by the chorus of "Cut Me Open" and "Starve." And then when they'd really break it down, they'd realise how brave this album is and how really well done it is. Yeah, I, I completely agree, actually. Uh, it sounds, despite the fact that it's 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 simultaneously a nostalgic trip, and feels fresh, which which is just really 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 rare. It's it's incredibly well put together, and I, I and I do like you really respect the bravery and the ambition, and I do think their next album, third third albums are usually really big for bands. They feel quite established. They feel quite comfortable. They've grown up a little bit. This, this band, like you said, they're, they're not in a box. The sky's the limit. They can go in any direction they want, and they're clearly capable of doing that. And how big their, their choruses are and how big these songs can sort of sway from genre to genre and style to style tells me that they've got the ability and the range to do pretty much anything they want. Before we score this album, Sam, I'm going to ask you. Yes. Do you believe in this band after this album? Yes, 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 I do. I think I think that this is a, a foreshadowing of very, very good things to come. I 100% agree. I believed in them before. I believe in them even more so now. I think that album three here, when this all comes together and the ideas and the maturity of the last four years merge into one, we're looking at a band that are going to really do some damage in this scene. And I'm so happy for them because this could have fell flat on its face. Yeah. Like, yeah, seriously. Could. This could have been like Suicide Silence, latest album this could. If they released this like seven or eight years ago, it might well have. Possibly. You, you know, you can't you can't release this album in like 2010 or 11. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. a different sort of musical landscape. And I think... I, I respect it greatly. Um, if they keep if they keep creating songs for that um, 
for the, for the vocals to shine through and they keep and they continue to figure it out how they want to balance their types of songs out i think we've got something really 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 interesting here let's score this i am gonna go 100 percent eight out of ten i'm fucking in love with this record sam uh 7.5 for me still needs a few more tweaks before it gets to an eight or a nine um but i think i'll be giving the next album an eight or a nine and that was it for this week's episode of the noise podcast but don't go anywhere because right after we finish here I'm coming in with the interview with Sam from Ithaca. It's a great listen. Check that out. We will be back in either two weeks or a week. Now, I'm not sure whether we're going to get that While She Sleeps album early. If we do, we will, we'll be back next week. If we don't, we'll be back in two weeks reviewing that and Holding Absence. Lovely. Very, very interested to hear Sam's thoughts on Holding Absence. So don't go anywhere. Interview with Sam coming up straight after this but we will be back in either a week or in two weeks. Thanks for listening to this episode. We love you. Bye. So I'm joined now by Sam, the guitarist from Ithaca, that band that I keep talking about, and the album that we literally lost our minds over on the last episode. Sam, how have you been, man? Yeah, good, dude. Yeah, like a bit of an insane week at work, but nice to chat about music and stuff with you right now. So so <laughs> crazy to think yeah. that like you've just got like a standard normal job life, <laughs> as well as this sick band that you've got going, man. It's crazy. Thanks, dude. Yeah, it is. Um, it is a bit nuts. Like I um, we had our release show last week, and so I sent round to um my whole office like, oh, you know, I'm in this band. If anyone wants to come along, and I had people all the next day coming up to me, being like, I didn't know you were in a band, and like I think <laughs> you know, like when people find out you're in like a grubby hardcore band as well it's like it very much changes people's perceptions of you. yeah like, you yeah. in a hardcore band they're like, <laughs> like what's metal noise you're making i'm like uh, you know look i, I apologize i can only apologize <laughs> that's me i'm sorry man it's just yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a few of our listeners may not be familiar with like the origin story of the band so how did sure. it all come together was it your standard friends in high school or was it something a little bit different yeah so um it all started, I guess, like, so the, me and Lewis, the drummer, and Will, the other guitar player in the band, we were all mates in high school. Um, and we were some of the only sort of, like, I guess, like, out grievos in the year. Like, you know, like the ones wearing, like, Nile T-shirts and stuff. Well, Will in particular used to wear, like, like 1349 T-shirts and, like, <laughs> black metal and stuff like that. Anyway, and so we've been sort of... Um, we've known each other for a long time and we've been kicking about like every once in a while we'd get together over like summer holidays or whatever and try and sort of play some tunes and sort of get something going but nothing ever really like got rolling and then we went off to uni obviously and I got back from uni and I was like okay or like a a while after and I was like right okay I want to get this band thing going this is ridiculous like I've been kicking around ideas and stuff for such a long time um and so I, I got the guys together and I was like, I was like, okay, look, I'm like, I know it's a bit cringe, but I'm going to put an ad online. Um, I don't know, like, because I, basically I didn't know anyone in the scene really. Like I was just like, I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't connected to anyone particularly. Um, none of my other mates apart from a small group of um, most of whom are the two guys in my band, um, are into heavy stuff. So I was like, I don't even know who I would ask really. So I, yeah, anyway, put an ad online. Um, and on this weird website that was like findmyband.com or something and mostly it was just like um 
it's all just like dad cover bands basically like Doncaster's <laughs> finest eagles tribute acts and stuff and it's like hey we're looking, for, we're looking for an accordionist and stuff and it's like okay but um and i was like right do you guys like the chariot or like yeah i put a couple of sort of well not niche i mean i don't know, I don't know for you know bands that would definitely filter out a lot of people so like converge and the chariot and and a couple of highly raw bands as well to really kind of specify it down to show what we were going for um and we just got very lucky really that that jamila our vocalist and drew our first bass player replied and it's actually people who wanted to make the same kind of music i mean we did get a lot of weird ass replies as well like this lady who was like yeah the ad looks great so excited i'd love to join your band and I was like, oh, that's cool. And she was like, yeah, I'm really into, like, PJ Harvey. That's my whole thing. Oh, and I was dude. like, oh, great, yeah. Um, are you into, like, metal and stuff? And she was like, no, just, like, PJ Harvey, really. It's, like, my whole thing. Anyway, I was like, that's okay. Amazing. Dude, that's, um, like, I would swear that's not a real story. <laughs> no, dude, it really is honestly true. Like, it's ridiculous. I was like, so you don't like, like, metal at all? She was like, no, just, you know, like... She 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 saw like Converge in the Chariot and she was like, yeah, this is the band for me. I love PJ Harvey. Let's do it. Some, <laughs> so, somewhat like, disparate genres. Yeah, that's uh, you know. Hey, listen, yeah. Um, people, yeah, people read people read what they read from that yeah. ad basically. So yeah. But um, yeah, that's it basically. So all of a sudden you put an ad online and then before you know it, uh, you're in the rehearsal room and it's sounding heavy as fuck basically. Yeah, pretty much. Well, we we found Jamila, the a vocalist, first, um, and she came down, and um, I mean, we were just like, oh, this is like, this is sick. This is not who we expected to sort of follow this ad at all. This is really cool. And then she like, we were just jamming jamming out some riffs. Um, or I gave her a couple of options. I was like, oh, here's this one, and here's this one, and she picked the most sort of um, charity sort of math Corey riff. Um, and I was like, sick, okay, let's go. And we sort of we played a thing, and she just started screaming over it. And, um, yeah, she just went for it. And I was like, whoa, what the hell was that? What, what were you doing? Like, she was, like, belting it out. And I was like, and she was like, oh, it was just the lyrics from Break Stuff. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> just, I couldn't think of anything else to do, so I just did that. Anyway, so that was that was her in the band, basically. Um, yeah. Was, because... <laughs> For about 18 months, I've been into the metallic hardcore thing, uh, slash yeah. mathcore. And I first got into it because I discovered Outbreaker and, like, Code, oh, yeah. Code Orange and, like, these really, really heavy bands that were doing something a little bit different mm. to what you could do, your standard tropes of hardcore. So I'm mm. not actually, like, a historian on metallic hardcore. So what kind of bands influenced your sound? Well, I, I'll tell you what, to be honest, like, that's the funny thing about um, being in this band is I don't think i'm much of a student i mean like i've been into this sort of stuff for quite a while but i'm definitely not a student of like of hardcore at all really like we play with a lot of bands um who are proper hardcore bands and they really know their shit and they're like oh, can i swear on this by the way sorry yeah yeah man right cool so yeah yeah and they'll play like oh what the fuck it's like uh this, this is a cover and everyone jams out and I'm like I do not know who this is <laughs> like I really <laughs> don't know who this is everyone's down the front like yeah it's um you know it's trial by fire or whoever I'm like I'm, I have no idea who this band is so I don't like my knowledge of hardcore so I, I really came into things much more um through um the stuff that really influenced me was like the mid noughties like 
a lot of journalists called it like the new wave of American heavy metal. So it was oh, bands yeah, like man. Lamb of God, Every oh, Time dude. I Die, yeah, Chimera, Unearth. Um, just like the, I don't know, there's like a, a lineup of Ozfest in like 2005, and it's like that. That is my music. <laughs> like all of those guys were, because that was because I started when I first got into heavy music. I came in through sort of metal, metal like Maiden and Metallica and everything like that. And when I first started to hear breakdowns was those bands basically like you know hardcore the hardcore influence was in those bands and then i started to get into bands like under oath and and more sort of screamo-ish bands but um yeah those, those are the really like the big the, that was the big turning point in terms of moving into stuff like that. and then i discovered much 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 later i mean in the last couple of years really is when i i didn't really even know about bands like everyone compares us to like poison the well and seven angels seven plagues and like um, I mean, Misery Signals I was into, but bands like that from the early noughties who were really doing the metalcore thing. And I was like, mate, I was not listening to those bands at the time. I just like sort of in a really circuitous way, just found that sound through these other bands, if you know what I mean, through mixing these other bands with, the, as you say, with a bit of the modern like melodic black metal thing. And yeah, I kind of just did what came naturally to me more so than being like, right, I want to I want to be in like Naughty's metalcore band. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. So like, you said that there wasn't any like you that you're not a historian on Metallica hardcore either. Like you mm. were just, you weren't sitting in your room at ten years old being like, I want to be just like this band. Yeah, um, yeah. So in that case, in that sense, then like your your pro your musical process was much more organic, right? Like you just happened to be in a room, you happened to be playing these riffs, and it happened to build into the sound that has created what you are now. It wasn't mm. like a thing where it's like. Oh, I've found this metallic, metallic hardcore band that sounds good. We should try this. It wasn't like yeah. that, I'm assuming. Not really. Exactly right. Like what what it was when we were starting this band, it wasn't as exactly as you say. It wasn't like right. We want to sound like Entombed, so this is what we need to do to sound like Entombed, like or whatever, or trap them or whoever it is. It was more like. I am into bands like The Chariot and Dillinger, obviously, everyone's like, Dillinger, a huge influence on me. Yeah, man. And mathcore sort of chaotic, hardcore stuff. I know I really like that. I know that I'm into this sort of kind of slightly more cool, interesting, cleaner, um, holy raw sort of thing, which is like experimenting with different kind of guitar sounds and different songwriting styles and all sorts of stuff. And it's like feels a lot more like UK... It comes, you know, it comes inextricably from the UK. So there's that influence as well. I know I kind of want to sound a bit like that, but I know I also really love like a much wider range of music than that. Like I love like soul music and post rock and noise rock. And I'm like, I, I want to take bits and bobs from that. Um, yeah, that was more how it came together rather than being like, because I know some bands do get together and they're like, right, we want to sound like, Seven Angels, Seven Plagues, and Misery Signals, and that's our thing. And let's go. And then they go, and then they fly and absolutely smash it. Um, yeah, that's that's it. You signed to Holy Raw Records, who are on this unbelievable run of just releasing yeah, these absolutely incredible albums after incredible albums and breaking out these new bands that was, were underground. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, I think I think like Conjurer just saw a headline in uh, the a fuel in Cardiff tonight. You know, oh, like yeah. you know, which you know, Holy Raw Records just picked up this band that I had no idea about until. Do you love that record, mate? I mean, I think Dude. everyone who loves heavy music loves that record. Holy right? shit! It's just amazing. Yes. Like, I had absolutely no concept for who they were. Um, it just so happened that I got the album got assigned to me. Like, you need to review this. I was like, cool. Oh, great! Started playing it, mate. I was like. This is the greatest thing on earth. That's <laughs> I was like, amazing. holy shit, man, this band are amazing. So well, the, we've, been, we've been big fans of them since the EP, actually, since, um, oh, Christ, whatever it was called, like I or whatever it was, that 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 EP dropped, and we, as a band, were all like, yes, the game has been raised, these yeah. guys are going to absolutely, like, this is it, the shit, like, super heavy, super proggy, super, like, just cr- just the coolest yeah and they're really nice people as well it's ridiculous it's like do something wrong please like anyway yeah their online presence is wicked man i've got a lot of respect for that band yeah yeah in terms of being signed to hollywood records how exactly did that come around did that did someone see you at a show was it like they came across something you did online uh yeah so it first came about because alex came who runs the um who runs, alex fitzpatrick who runs holy raw he came to he saw us at a show i think completely by accident because we were playing on this bill with a bunch of like grind bands basically because when we were very first starting out we didn't really know like we weren't that well connected in the scene we didn't really know how to get proper shows so we just kind of used the people that we had so there were a couple of people who were like we sent our demos to and they were like okay we'll put you on and we ended up basically we ended up on a roll of playing like really grindy sort of extreme shows and then there's us in the middle of the thing which was not only was kind of quite fun because grind fans tend to be like pretty up for anything but also was a really good training ground in teaching us how to be pretty like even if our music has got quiet sort of wimpy bits like how to be kind of intense live and kind of make people feel like unsettled in the ways that aren't just about heaviness anyway so alex saw us at one of those early shows at this venue called the unicorn and candle which is just a pub that so i kind of had a bit of a venue in the back and he was like guys that was cool like what's what's going on here like yeah this is not what i expected he sent us an email being like after we'd recorded our second ep being like what's going on are you have you guys got a label and we did have a little label at the time we were working with this small sort of actually again like a black metal label in manchester who who were really like backing us and sorted out pr and all this sort of stuff for us and and we kind of felt they were like right do you want to go in on it and um with you know do a joint release and we were kind of basically like we had to kind of turn holy raw down which was ridiculous because for me it was like the pinnacle like getting signed to holy raw was like yeah that's the dream but we didn't feel like we were quite there yet we didn't feel like we had the finished product ready to give them with that second even though we loved that second ep we were like we want to if we're going to do this let's save it do the album do the build up and everything do the you know what i mean like do it focus it on this thing that's like here we are here's our debut album you know what i mean rather than being like oh here's our second ep uh, you know it just felt right to us to like do the Holy Raw thing properly, basically. It's funny you should mention the second EP because you're not actually a quote-unquote new band. <laughs> yeah. you've, actually, you've actually been around for a fair few years, and I believe mm. your last EP was called Trespassers yeah, uh, in about 2015, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, so yeah. 
Let's, I can't let's, believe it came out that long ago. Christ, yeah. Sorry. Let's let's use a bit of hindsight, man, uh, which is difficult for you to answer, but I'm going to try it on you anyway. Um, sure. Let's pretend that you made that signature to Holy Raw back then. Mm. Would it have been too much too soon for you to take that leap? That's a good question. I think, in a way, no, because we we did there are, there are some tunes on that EP that we still feel really happy with, and we still feel pretty happy with it as a like as a as a thing. Um, but I just think it would have like it wouldn't have it would have just been a bit half-hearted and a bit like halfway there, and you know, the production on that EP is is good, but it's like not quite as what you know as ready to go professional as the production on the album and yeah it, it just i think and we've learned so many lessons in the time between then and now and that contributed massively to what the album sounds like how it feels like who we are how we present ourselves live and in pictures and on and in interviews and all of it like yeah we feel like very different people in the time between then and now and like we've been through a huge amount and yeah, God, really, like, a few of us have been really to the depths of, like, of, our, of ourselves, and, yeah, that that influenced how the album is and how this whole release has gone, um, and, and yeah, and who we are as a band very fundamentally, and so, yeah, like, in a way, we weren't, I think, ready for for what, in the way that we are now. Fast forwarding a little bit to the new album, uh, Language of Injury, which I uh, I said on the podcast when we reviewed it, and I stand by. Uh, it's my favourite album of the year so far. Fully, oh, fully, fully in love with it. Just, just fucking mercilessly heavy. <laughs> like oh, it makes me so laugh. Fun. It makes me laugh how heavy it is at some point. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. In terms, of, so the recording process. You're standing in the studio, and all of a sudden you sign to Harley Roll Records that have got this back catalogue of really, really amazing bands that yeah, all yeah. done really, really well early on in their career. And yeah. the reason why I first listened to you uh, is because I got the email uh, about your band, and I was like, oh, they're signed to Holy Raw. These must be wicked. Uh, so, yeah. Which is a good and a bad thing for you. And then you because... were crushingly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, no. It's a good yeah. and a bad thing, though, right? Because I'm pressing play on this album, and I'm thinking, you're on Holy Raw. You better be good. Yeah. And then, luckily, you are all those things. But when you, wrote, when you were writing the album, was there any part of any of you that thought, holy shit, man, this really needs to be something special because... We're gonna stick out like a sore thumb on Holy Raw if this is anything less than an eight. Yeah, um, it's hard to say. I think, hmm, in a way, we did. We we knew that there was a lot expected of us, particularly because we took so much time to get the album out, and there was a lot of yeah, there's a lot of weight on it, and it was you know it was, yeah. But I think. We, we worked so hard on it and we were very particular about so much of it. We, sh we canned a lot of things that we were like, no, nope, that's not good enough. That's got to go. And we also took some big risks that I think our bands in our scene might not be, you know, at that time might not have been ready for. Like, I mean, I know it sounds stupid, but we've got like trumpets and violins on it. We've yeah. got clean singing. We've got ambient interludes. We've got like this, there's like an, a bit of organ that people won't be able to, that's in the background. Anyway, like we were just like, you know, push further and higher than you think you can go. And then after that, like if you feel happy with all the songs, like that's all you can do at the end of the day, you know, like, so 
so the holy rule thing encouraged us to take those risks and to aim to aim really really high and basically feel like what at the end like with a lot of thought and time and love and effort that what we delivered was like yeah okay that's it It, it's it works just it works pretty well as a unit or we feel comfortable with all the tunes that are on there like yeah good to go kind of thing so and then by that time to be honest you know you're so knackered with just the whole bloody like like faff of like doing it all and all the work and the time and the rehearsal and the effort that you're just like ah fine you know when you come to recording it's like way past the stage of like should we change this or is this any good it's like no just get it done you know like so yeah I think it's really commendable that you took as long as you did uh, to release Language of Injury because you find so many new bands that are like, we've just released an EP and the album must be out next year because we must strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. Was there any point, though, during the recording of the album that you were like, oh, this is taking a little bit too long for comfort? Or was it literally, we're going to take the time that we need, we're going to make the songs as good as they need to be, we trust in these songs, it doesn't matter how long it takes, when the album's out, people will buy in. No, yeah, you're definitely right. We we there were a few times when we were pretty pretty concerned that like you know all the all the work that we've done for the first two EPs of building support, getting people to come to the shows, and kind of getting our name out there that we that we'd lose it. And um, yeah, that was a bit a big concern for us. And and as things got delayed, and you know like admin issues, life issues, just all sorts of things got in the way um you know just the process of recording took way longer than it should have for various reasons and all that sort of stuff we basically yeah we were really worried we were like oh man by the time this comes out is anyone even going to care but then we just had to sort of stand back and take stuff i mean this was before actually the hype started to build and then it was like oh wow okay this is amazing people are really enjoying this this is fine we needn't have worried but like we had to do a thing which i would strongly recommend to like any new band which is like stand back take stock and like seriously just remind yourself why you're bothering with all this faff and you know if your if your aim is to just be a hype band yeah fine fuck it like just spaff out music whenever you like but if your aim is to like do best by yourself and deliver something that you're proud of and you feel is is like is is not not just credible but the the best sort of expression of what you wanted to make that it could be then you just have to like accept that there will be issues and there will be delays and like you know, the the priority is delivering the thing you're happier with, you know, like, yeah, it's because you feel something, you do feel a lot of pressure, you do worry with momentum and hype and social media, you know, and like, no, it, the priority is delivering the best possible thing. You are the main riff writer, if I remember correctly. That's me. Which means you're an angry young man. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it. There's a lot of technical nuance on the album. There's, I mean, there's a lot. Are you, the, are you the kind of guy that agonises over every single riff, every drum fill, every vocal layering? Or is it like, that sounds good enough to me, let's get going? It's a mix, actually. When I'm writing riffs, not really, because um, the way that I write riffs, actually, is a, is probably fairly unconventional for people. And I sit, like, when I'm first writing riffs and putting the ideas of songs together... Basically, the only way I can come to find stuff that I'm really happy with is I just have to basically stand in front of my amp and just play and play and play for fairly long periods of time. This is one of the reasons why writing takes us a really long time is because it's not that I'm like, I want to do a song that sounds like this. I'm kind of just just noodling and noodling until I sort of almost stumble upon stuff that I feel 
well that's cool what can I do with that and then I sort of work on it and work on it um but once I bring like the loose structures of the songs to the other guys that's when things can get quite pernickety so like it you know is that is that the right drum part is that where that should be and that's actually really beneficial for me because I come up I sometimes come up with whole sections that just get dumped like the guys will be like, I'm just not, to be honest, mate, I'm just like not vibing on this section. I don't think it adds anything. And actually, while that initially was a bit like, mm-hmm, like, that is why the stuff ends up how, well, don't say good, but like, well, that's how we get to the place where we're really happy with stuff is it's like, yeah, there's no fat in this tune. Like, there's no faff. It's like, and it's because we listen to it over and over again and like, did, did do a bit of agonizing like is that the right drum part is that could that be better could that be a more like mean riff is that transition like the right transition to that breakdown or whatever you know so yeah it, it is it is completely a mix of like as organic as it could be and as sort of particular as it could be i have to ask uh impulse crush <laughs> <laughs> mate was that like the most annoying was pinch harmonica's like your most hated sound in the world <laughs> when you finish recording that song because <laughs> there's literally so many in that song i can imagine when you're going through the layering of the tracks and the mixing all you can hear is these pinch harmonicas i mean the track yeah. the, tra- the track is amazing man i'm fully in love with it bad. it's one of my favorites on the album but recording that was that like the biggest pain in the arse you've ever heard in your life like consistently hearing these pinch harmonicas over and over mate i'll tell you what actually the, in, in many ways the opposite is true impulse crush was one of the funnest to record because like when you're when you're like sat there having to play all your own parts again what you want to be doing is like going whoop whoop like you just want to be like doing silly <laughs> yeah, shit like you want awesome. to be doing like dive bombs and noodles and like funny stuff like um you don't just want to be playing like that i find it much harder to be honest to record like the cleaner much softer stuff because if there's any like clank or you scrape your pick you know you're done you have to go right back to the beginning and do the whole take again you know that's a lot more high pressure um it's a lot more like roomy sound as well so again any any mistakes and so whereas the big metally stuff kind of um you know you can you can fit you could it's a lot freer and a lot looser and then yeah you get to do stupid shit like whoops and weeps and like yeah it's 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 great i love that bit how much of a role did Holy Raw play in the recording of the album? Because I've read interviews with some bands where they're like, they couldn't have been better. They were like, go do your thing. Uh, we'll listen at the very end. We'll give you our honest thoughts and then we'll go from there. Or were, yeah. they, were they more hands-on with you? No, that, that's it, to be honest, man. Like the, the, the Holy Raw formula and the reason why they deliver what they deliver is because... Uh, in large part because they allow the band's total creative control, as far as I can see. I mean, you know, I think I think it is the case that the, some of the bigger bands they might send them ideas and demos, but really at the end of the day, like as far as, as uh, certainly with us, like they did not ask us to change anything, to do anything. Like we basically were like, here it is, here's the album, you know, hey, like that's <laughs> like <laughs> here you go, like. Um, and they were like, yeah, sounds good, guys. Sounds you were really happy with it. This is a really cool record. Let's go. Like, you know, if if maybe if it had been, I don't know, if if we'd felt less comfortable with it or we'd felt less self-assured, we might have had a bit more of a feedbacky sort of relationship. But yeah, I think again, I think from all the bands that you'll have heard of from Holy Raw, like they let you get on and and go where 
it takes you. And that's why the bands all deliver sick records, because they've not got anyone breathing down their neck being like, oh, actually, that needs a chorus, or we need a single, or, you know, like, Maya by Kundra doesn't have a single, you know, it's just a kicking you in the head for 40 minutes, like, and that's why it's great, you know, so... Yeah, and, and, and yeah, that was great for us because the reason why we're in this is not to make any money or anything. Like, literally, that's the thought is laughable. Like, it's about, yeah, it's just about delivering things that we're happy with. And that, so that's, yeah, it works great for us. You're incredibly humble um, for a band, actually, not just you. I've, I've seen interviews and read interviews with other members. Um, you're incredibly humble for a band that seemed that, like, have achieved this album. Has any, have you had a chance to sit back yet and be like, hey man, um, we did something special. That was wicked. Let's pat each other on the back. Because you all seem to just completely disregard the idea that you're actually a sick band. <laughs> like, <laughs> none of you actually seem to acknowledge it. Like, I think, like, twice in this interview, like, you've refused to call yourself good, which is awesome because it means you're like, <laughs> because it says a lot about, you know, the kind of people that you are and, like, the kind of band that you are. But has there been a chance yet where you sat down and been like, Guys, that was amazing. We did so well. Uh, let's just keep this moving. Do you, do you get that chance, or is it just like, yeah, we guess we did something kind of cool. Let's move on. Yeah, I I think I think we've got a reasonably good balance because actually I'm a bit like I can be like quite an earnest and over sincere person, and actually that works out well because I really like like in our group chat being like yay you know like guys we did it or we got this or we did that you know like and and we've had actually a a pretty big dump truck full of those moments recently like getting a Kerrang review like you know when you're all of us like we're we're you know between 27 and 30 so all of us grew up in even like when we were young kids in the pre-download age so like Kerrang was like where we found out about bands and like those CDs were how we got you know so like to see our band's name in there with a good review was like holy shit and like getting a really great review from Metal Hammer um you know all that stuff and the the we just got announced for Boomtown today, so we never thought we'd yeah, be playing festivals that. and stuff. And it's like, man. what the fuck is going on? Like, this is insane. So between us, we're like, well, we're like, yay, well done. But it's it's never from perspective of like, oh, yeah, well, this is, you know, it's what we deserve or whatever. It's more from perspective of just like, we just we tend, just feel quite overwhelmed, to be honest, because in our heads, we're just this sort of, partly because of i think because of how much how long it's taken to get here and also how we came up you know really through sort of diy shows and pokey pub gigs and everything i think it's everything just comes as a surprise to us we never feel like anything is we never feel like we're owed anything we just everything is just like a nice positive surprise and i think in many ways that means that we have a level of gratitude about everything every good thing that comes our way that like is is really good it means that like we enjoy it all you know like it's i would i would advise bands who are are going for this sort of thing that like that is how you should measure your success just be like yeah just be like everything is you know don't be like well where's you know why haven't this festival called us or whatever it's like no just yeah wait for it to come and gratefully receive it all because it's like yeah it's just sick it's like this is the dream you know this is the dream getting in kerrang doing the festivals, playing shows and all that. That's all we ever wanted. And yeah, it's amazing. Just as we get into the last couple of the questions, I've got yeah, to speak man. about CLSR, man. Oh, my cheers, fav- dude. It's my favourite track on the record. Oh, 
Who awesome. was the main driving force behind that song? Because that melancholy opening before the explosive, dirty, like heavy rock riff is like yeah. my, one of my favourite things ever, man. Like I, I'm so in love with that. Who was the driving force behind writing that song? Was it you again? Dude, thank you so much. That's so kind. Yeah. So that was that was um, that was me as well. And actually, that was one. I found uh, the other day I found the demos, like not demos, but like what I'd recorded in my bedroom, basically, for the very first thinking about what that was going to be. And it was such a completely different sort of swampier mastodony sort of thing. Like it moved at a completely different tempo. And then I was like, no, 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 wait, hold on. And it became, basically I listened to I, I it, it reminded uh, the where I got the inspiration from was from from a song called Pure Hatred by Chimera, which has this just huge sort of similar sort of like straight up double kick pounding thing. And I was like, oh, what if I take that whole vibe, which is really straightforward and just head crushing and mix it with this sort of much spookier vibe? Um, yeah, no, and see what happens. Um and then it, it all just kind of came together much quicker than a lot of the other tunes did. I was like, right, there's that bit, there's that bit. And it's like, done. Um, and, and as soon as I played it, I remember playing it to the guys and then being like, oh, cool. That's good. Let's, that's like, yeah. And we started, we played it live for the first time, actually, at our release show. And it was like, it was a real joy to play. I think we're going to try and move it into the set. Well, if we come up to, if we come up to the, uh, to the Midlands, we'll make sure to play it for you. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah, and then right. you'd see my head like melting to the canvas yeah man yeah yeah spin kicking <laughs> final question for you um awesome. language of injury uh is an amazing album that uh, you, you can tell from every essence of that record you can sense that you literally put every single every idea every piece of sweat passion and energy in the tank into the album that's one of my favorite things about it actually you can really tell that you've put every piece of love you have into it in terms of going forward, have you are you guys already got ideas what comes next, or is this like a that was a great thing that we just achieved? Let's bask in the ambience of this for a while, and then we'll talk about the future next year. Yeah, well, to be honest, we're like we're do, we've started the first demos for whatever comes next. Basically, I would imagine a second album. That um, is wild. That is um, crazy, man. Yeah, we just, well, we're just we're just working some stuff out, basically being like, and and the stuff we're working on, we're feeling really excited about already. We're like, oh, this is really cool, but because I mean, the only um, thing is that all of us have got fairly busy jobs and lives, and so the 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 admin and sort of time that it takes to just sort of look after all the like really cool and exciting stuff that's happening, and you know, is is a lot. So we've not had a lot of time to really invest in it yet. Um, and with like the release, the release show and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, that's our plan. Is to is we we're, we're working on some stuff that hopefully is gonna be a second album. And and yeah, it, all of it we're feeling fairly cool, feeling really cool about it. Like the direction it's going. It's a new step. It's like playing with some really different ideas. And I think in some ways it's responding to the feedback that we've had in the reviews of like, don't be afraid to take even more risks next time, which is what I'm like, great. You don't need to tell me twice. Like, I'm like, let's go nuts and let's take it to strange new places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's what's going on. Dude, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, the new album is called Language of Injury by Ithaca fucking incredible album you heard us talking about it if you haven't listened to it for yourself yet i beg you do 
uh, absolutely fucking brutalising hardcore. Check it out, man. Sam, thank you so much for speaking to us. I really Absolute appreciate pleasure, it. Man. Thanks so much for having us, and uh, thank you so much for all the kind words. It really, really means a lot.